Hey, what's going on, everyone? Today on the show, we are talking with Chris Penabianco. He is the CMO of Bankers Health Group. We're going to talk through how his almost 600-person organization went remote in over three days and how their company's leadership, which still has two of the original three founders at it, really helped drive a culture of communication uh, that goes from the top all the way down through the customers and which has really fueled a lot of their growth over the last decade. So very cool conversation, especially, you know, it's super niche, the business they're in, but uh, very cool to see how they've pivoted with regards to their internal structure so they can still service customers. But before we get into that, just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Cave Social. Cave Social is an advertising agency based out of Los Angeles that helps businesses grow. So if your business is feeling stuck or like you can't grow, whether it's online or your bottom line, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us and book a free consultation. They'll be able to help you out. All right, guys, let's get into this episode. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the show. Today, I'm sitting with Chris Penabianco. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing really well, Jordan. Thanks for having me. So you are currently the CMO at Bankers Healthcare Group. Uh, you've been there for 11 years. So you've been had your hands dirty, probably seen it all, I bet. <laughs> that, that's very true. Uh, 11 years feels like 20 years, but it's a place that, you know, every day I tell my team and I tell people every morning when my eyes open, I'm excited for my feet to hit the ground and to see what we can do today. Very cool. So talk to me about kind of your experience in marketing. What brought you, you know, to BHG? What, what happened before? Kind of lay the ground for us. Sure. It's a, a little inc- unconventional. I came out of school. I went to school in North Carolina. I grew up in upstate New York and just made the migration south like most old people do. Um, <laughs> but as a young guy, I did. And I was really always interested in the psychology and the behavior of consumers. Why am I interested in buying something? Why does that look better to me? Why is this more appealing? And how do these people do it? So when I was in high school, I did a lot of research on advertising. And being from New York, you hear a lot about the old Mad Men days and you know New York City, Madison Ave shops. And so that always stuck in my head as I went through school. I did a lot of customer service, bartended, uh, a couple internships after college or after high school and after college. And I realized very quickly that advertising was where I wanted to be. Now, I couldn't, I still to this day can't draw a stick figure properly, but I've studied the art and the business of advertising. And it's just something that stuck with me. So when I got out of school, I did some internships and I stuck with a a medium-sized agency in Charlotte at the time called Price McNabb. They've since been bought by uh, Eric Mower and Associates. Uh, They have a few mid-level offices across the country. And I was working with really cool clients. I had Starbucks, Square D and Schneider Electric, Charlotte Pipe and Foundry. We did auto parts companies. And they were doing so many different cool things for advertising, but there was something missing. And from that point on, I kind of bounced around a little bit and took my time. But I went to the private side of marketing and I worked for a motorsports company. We did a lot of different types of advertising, but it was very B2C. And from that point, I went on to a mortgage company and it was a great experience. Unfortunately, running the marketing for a mortgage company in 2006 and seven uh, didn't end up very well, as you know, with the mortgage crisis that we had. So, you know, I kind of took a step back and I evaluated, but the one thing that just kept sticking was finance and advertising. 
So I went on to uh, another mid-level digital agency in Orlando. And what I found there, I was working with Disney. Uh, we worked with Speed TV, Florida Hospital. And every time an RFP would come in, that was a finance company. They'd look at me and they're like, hey, you were in mortgages. You know, you know how to do this. So they'd throw it at me. And the funny thing was, is we started to win these contracts. And it was just something that stuck with me. And it was a very stable industry. And I just loved the fact of how much emphasis was put on analytics and numbers. And the decisions weren't just the subjective for messaging, for copywriting, for artwork, for your use of social media platforms. Social media wasn't even that big back then. And what I found was I met this small company over a game of golf in South Florida. And they were like, hey, we lend to doctors. And you know they heard what we were doing for Disney and how we were cutting down. We worked with their intern programs and did a lot of email that cut down on the need to put a live body on every campus and the need for continue. They would lose, they'd have to get a huge number of interns at the beginning of the summer because they had so many that would drop off. So our company implemented an email strategy and nurturing strategy that really changed the way they did their internship program. So as I told them that, I think it was after the third or fourth bogey in a row, you know, they said, look, why don't you come down? Let's talk. Let's see what we can do. And this is Bankers Healthcare Group. And I met the three original founders and we just hit it off. And I found that as they became a client, I was on the phone with them until 11 o'clock at night, midnight. And they were calling me, hey, if you had extra money, what would you do? Extra budget? How would you spend it? You know, we're small, we're trying to grow. They had a beautiful niche program with healthcare professionals taking technology and the traditional lending experience and putting those two together and really servicing an underserved market. So I met them and as they were my client for a couple of years, they wanted to do email campaigns and they were very impressed with what we could do. But man, I looked at their website and I said, there is no way I'm signing off to do anything for you guys with a website like that and without a CRM and all of these things. So that didn't go over too well, but it did lead to them offering me a position after about a year. And it was one of those offers you couldn't refuse. And, you know, 11 years later, here I am. So it's been, it's been a great, a great ride in the evolution of marketing and the use of analytics and data uh, as all of our marketing channels have grown. It's really created a, a different environment than anything I was ever used to. Yeah, you got that godfather offer. Had to take it. <laughs> I, I hear you. One of the things I find really interesting is, you know, the, the niche within a niche. So uh, looking at, okay, how do we get super specific and really narrow our focus so that we're not you know, a choice in the market, we're the only choice in the market. And or at least to our customer, right? We're the first choice. We're really the the preferred, you know, provider. And I think when you look at things like lending to healthcare professionals and having that be really the backbone of what you do, it is in your primary role. I think it's so easy for that healthcare provider, for that person to digest and take in and go, okay, I know exactly what you do. You know, you're not just saying, oh, we like lend to a wide array of businesses and I can I can help you if you come in and and trying to be everything to all people. I think that's so huge from like a, a messaging standpoint. So talk to me just about the effectiveness of doing that or what you've learned from really, really tightening the scope of the messaging. Sure. And, you know, it, it, we've been around since 2001 and up until 2015, it was just healthcare professionals that we worked with. So we were students of the healthcare industry. Not only were we dealing with them on a daily basis when they needed money, but we were studying all of the different specialties. At first, we, we focused on vets, dentists, and doctors. And then slowly after about 2009, we started 
expand into other specialties like nurse practitioners, pharmacists, uh, speech pathologists, you know, anything, anyone with a license, a medical license. But what we learned along the way and what I've learned over 11 years is the terminology and more so than the terminology are the day-to-day challenges that a healthcare professional faces, especially now. No one expected COVID-19 to become such an additional stress, not only on our society, but on our frontline healthcare heroes. So we learned very quickly that we needed to be personal We needed to provide a convenient concierge experience that they weren't used to receiving. So going in and surveying our customers, always tweaking our process. You know, we, you, you, any healthcare professional could go to their local bank. They probably have a relationship with board members at their hospital or their surgery center uh, or friends that are in their community that say, hey, come into the bank but they're going to sit there. They're going to have to fill out a stack of paperwork. They need a business plan and then they have to wait. Now, conversely, with the growth of the fintech space, you know, in the 2007 to 2011 range, that became very convenient too. So that was just more about efficiency, but still you're, you're a number, you're fitting into a one size fits all box and you're not getting that personal touch. So BHG and our marketing team really focused on our sales process, but also how we communicated to the customer to say, look, we're the best of both worlds. We work seven days a week. We work off hours. Our people are trained on how to deal with healthcare professionals. You have no time. You are stressed. Now more than ever with all of the new uh, legislation and healthcare acts, the paperwork has become ridiculous. You know, And what we found are a lot of these healthcare professionals are entrepreneurs. So providing them a service that allows them to not only grow their practice or consolidate debt or the thing, the myriad of, of things we use our loans for, we really just figured it out that it's the personalization of our service. And at the end of the day, we're excited. Every time that phone rings, every time a lead comes in through the web, it is ingrained in our people that we are going to, we covet our borrowers and they will receive the Ritz-Carlton experience when they need money. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm reading uh, this book by Jay Abraham right now. And one of the things he talks about is like for a high level of success is you have to fall in love with your customer, truly fall in love with the customer and helping them, you know, solve their problems. And you spoke on it there a little bit about, you know, you're not just there really selling your service offering, you're selling your customer service offering. And that if you can be the champion for that customer, understand their pain points, listen to them, understand, like you said, that, hey, they're actually running a business behind this and they're entrepreneurs and they're problem solvers and they're smart. Okay, how do we be, you know, the Robin to our customers, Batman, is that allows marketing to, to really penetrate through and make an impact and a positive impact. And it's something that, you know, a whole company can get behind in my experience. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's been 19 years and a lot of what BHG is, has been the reason why we've been so successful is the culture that we have within our company. It's something we have, we're still a small company. We have over 650 employees. When I started 11 years ago, I believe we had 60, but the three original founders believed in their people. And we, we go to lengths to make sure our people are happy. Uh, you know, it's more than just bean bags and, you know, ping pong tables and, you know, the cool hip office. It's, honest and sincere appreciation. It's having two of the three founders are still here. They're mentors to me. They're, they're friends. They're treated, they treat everyone like family, but they're in the trenches with us. 
you know, that's one thing. I grew up on a potato farm in upstate New York. And from a very early age, I learned to get in the mud and get your hands dirty. And this is what our ownership team is. You know, our, our chairman, CEO, he's, he owns a horse farm. So when he's not working, he's out mucking stalls. And, you know, our, our other founder, he's on the phone, on video every single day with teams, edification, you know, learning, sharing their experience, building people up. And that carries through. I can't stress how much I've seen it in other companies to where people feel like they're unheard and they don't feel the impact. But when you have leadership like that, that is, you know, right beside you, shoulder to shoulder and showing you genuine appreciation, the end customer is the one who benefits the most because our people answer the phone with smiles. And it's one thing that they instilled in me too, that even as we've grown, we went from funding about two or $3 million a month back in 2009 to we're on pace for 150 million this month. And the one thing I learned is that every single customer is should is and should be treated like your last. So anybody who comes in, whether it's a compliment, a complaint, an area for improvement, I personally respond to every survey, to every posting on the BBB, Trustpilot, on social media. That's me. No matter how big we grow, it's one of the things that I value so much more as we, even as we grow, I don't know how much longer that'll be sustainable, but it goes back to what you said. You know, you never want to lose a customer. You never want a customer to feel as if they aren't the most important. So Again, it's the culture which leads to the output of, of service for our end user. And, you know, if you're saying there, like one of the founders, if he's out there listening to the teams, those teams are then going to go out and listen to the customers. It really is one of these things where the top sets the culture downward. And you see the amount of beanbags and snacks in the world won't change anything if the founder of the company's an asshole. Like it's exactly (laughs) right. So you have to, if you care about your people, genuinely put them first, they feel heard. That is going to transcend downward into the customer experience, right? Where, I mean, we've all been there. Pick up We've all know a company right now, and I chances are they're probably the people who, who they're probably your telecom company. Name any telecom company, and it's like you're when you deal with those customer service reps, is it a pleasant experience? Probably not. So it's exactly uh, that's from the top down, and those people are the voice of the company. They really are the representation of the brand to your customer, you know, in the trenches at that ground level. So I think it's so important to have those executives not only buy-in, but to talk the talk and walk the walk when it comes to to being a service-oriented company. Yeah. And authenticity is everything. You could see through that in a millisecond if it was just talk. And you know, I, we we focus a lot on market. We are a sales and marketing organization. We have to. You know, We're competing with Live Oak Bank. We're competing with PNC, Wells Fargo, B of A. And even as we've expanded our, our target audience, we don't have the brick and mortar and we don't have the 100 years, 50 years in business. So we've had to work extra hard. I can go and I can compete with them on any digital space. We can do it through direct mail. We're a huge direct mail company. But what I love and what I take pride in the most is the fact that 40% of our business is repeat. And in finance, usually you would think, hey, I get a loan, I pay it off, I'm elated, I'm done, I never want to borrow again. Our customers come back because we're consolidating their debt. You know, I, I, could, I could tell you how many startups, there was one woman who was a foreign born uh, pharmacist 
And she came here and her dream was to have her own pharmacy. And we followed her with her first loan. She came back, she consolidated some debt. She came back and she said, I want to have an independent pharmacy. And we helped her realize that dream. And part of what she told us was, if you had not treated me the same way, I could have gotten money cheaper. It would have taken a longer time. But she remembered the sales rep that worked with her and understood her goal, her dream. Her father suffered from a long line of uh, health issues. And so she, at a young age, was exposed to the different types of medicines and all that. So that was her dream from a very young age. And we helped her realize that. So we want to tell that story, but we also want to make sure that every single person who comes through that door thinks of us the same way. And believe me, I'll be the first to admit we are not perfect. I get the emails from the customer when they've had a bad experience. And the first thing I do is I pick up the phone and I call or I reach out and ask for a time to call because, hey, look, I know we're not perfect, but what can I do to make it better? And I've got the backing of our owners and our sales management team, the president of lending. He and I are on the phone. At least, well, now it's video conference. We're on video at least three times a day. So, you know, it's that, it's really caring about the customer and that authenticity from, like you said, uh, Jordan, it, it's easy. It's transparent if, if you don't mean it and you don't walk the walk. And like this, right? People want to do business with businesses they can trust. Now, that doesn't mean businesses that always get it right. That means businesses that are accountable for their mistakes as well, right? You know, one of those things, people, when they get a negative review, they can be like, oh, this customer gave us a negative review. But, or you could frame it as that customer is reaching out saying, hey, win back my business. Because I'd rather hear about the negative experience with the honest criticism because uh, rather than them go and tell, you know, or in your case, go and tell 30 other RNs about it just in person, right? They put it on the internet. Now it gives you a chance to address it and be accountable and make the necessary changes. And, and you know, like you said, get on the phone. Now, that being said, one big caveat there, 10% of the internet is insane. <laughs> <laughs> 50% of YouTube. Yeah. So, <laughs> so obviously take things with a grain of salt there, but you know, it comes down to that. People want to do businesses they can trust and people they like. And a lot of times if you're marketing and brand can represent that and really that great experience, there's that feeling of safety, right? So that customer wants to come back every time because they know that it's going to get taken care of. So it makes so much sense. Now, moving on just a little bit, how have you all changed You know, with moving virtual when it comes to making sure that communication, predominantly from a marketing standpoint and working with your marketing team, has been fluent? Has there been anything you've integrated with this new work from home world that has helped your organization? Yeah, it was a quick move. Uh, I believe on March 12th, you know, we started talking. We had started talking in February. Our CEO has us out in front. We have a, a leadership group where we have risk, we have credit, we have every major leader in the company. And we started saying, you know, what are we going to do if we have to go remote? The one benefit of not being brick and mortar, everything we do is over the internet or over the phone, all of our lending. So we prepared. And about a year ago, we implemented LifeSize. Uh, it's a video platform in all of our offices because we are in Syracuse, New York. That's our financial headquarters. We have a an office in New York City and an office. Our financial, our corporate headquarters are in Fort Lauderdale. Within that, even in Syracuse, we've outgrown our space. So we have about seven satellite locations. So the communication's been key. 
within three days, we were 100% remote. And we've been that way. There are a few people, essential functions that are in the offices only if they have a closed office. I went in there last week and all the precautions have been taken. There's you know more sanitizer than you can ever imagine and plastic up between cubes and you know masks everywhere and arrows, which way you can walk. But we were, we were pretty quick to adapt. And it's something that actually is changing our business. So as we've talked today in late July, you know, we're considering staying remote. We'll keep a couple of the offices, but any space we've leased, we're going to let go. It hasn't changed our business. If anything, it's made us better. We've had some of our top months in the history of the company since going remote. People are more dialed in. It's less of the water cooler. Uh, it's more focus. But after four months of this, we've come back around now with mental health, uh, physical health, and we're really focusing to make sure that everyone is okay. I don't know if you've felt this, Jordan, but I know personally I have three small children under six. And you know it's a blockade in my office door to make sure they're not coming in. But I also have to make sure that I don't just sit here from seven in the morning until nine o'clock at night. So I'm taking those small breaks. And you know I think our, our customers haven't noticed a difference. We monitor customer survey, customer satisfaction across every level, and we've actually seen improvement. So it's something that we've adjusted nicely to. And I think it will actually be something that it opens it up for us in marketing. I have a team of 38 people. We're full service marketing agency within BHG's walls. And the advantage I've seen is that people are okay. You know, the, the video conferencing is good. We do a few happy hours. We've done trivia nights. And the other bonus that I didn't see coming was our ability to hire all across the country. And it's seamless now. So everybody's used to that remote environment. And we used to be afraid of that. We felt you had to feel the culture. So you had to be in one of our locations and that can limit, you know, your ability to gr get great talent. So it's something we've already adjusted to, you know, I've hired uh, during the pandemic. I've got five more positions that we're going to fill. And it's exciting because you're bringing in different culture. It just allows you to get more diversity in who you're, who you're bringing onto your team. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a great book too, listeners, called Rework by Jason Fried, who uh, is one of the founders of Basecamp. But it was all about yeah. how, yeah, you can get deep work done essentially, right? And remote work doesn't have to be scary. I'm right there with you. I mean, we moved out of our office. We have an office in Los Angeles, a studio in Santa Monica. You know, we're an agency. And right away it was, all right, March about the 10th, I think. <laughs> we said everybody's going remote and didn't skip a beat. You know, maybe took you know, like two, three days to kind of get things going. But now we're at the point where like we ended up getting out of our lease and we're not going back. I just, I don't, we'll rent studio space when we need it. Like it was one of those aha moments of, uh, oh, and like, to your point, you can hire from anywhere. We hired, you know, a lady in Edmonton, Canada, for shortly after because <laughs> it, it it just opened the doors. It really did. So it's interesting to see how organizations are doing it. One thing that you touched on there, it is to have that leadership group that's looking forward and preparing for the worst or preparing for you know many possible future outcomes. I think this is so important from not only in marketing but just as a company to help protect you from blind spots is truly setting aside that time to go, okay, what could happen here? Or if you're going to launch a campaign, right? Okay, what are our vulnerabilities here? And actually taking a step or bringing somebody in who's not close to the campaign and thinking about how this could affect the business. Because when you do so in a way that you describe, you're able to move fast. Everybody's remote within you know, 72 hours and you know the, the show goes on. Where we see other companies that were devastated by having to go remote because they had no yeah. process in place. 
Yeah, and you know, I credit that back again to Al and Eric, our two our two founders, with their involvement. They've built. And when I came on 11 years ago, we were all young. You know, I'm 42 years old now, but. When I came on, our leadership team was small and we were very inexperienced and young. It was a startup company, but we've always maintained that startup mentality and it's allowed us to really be nimble. Uh, we are owned by a bank in Nashville, Tennessee, Pinnacle Bank, 49%. But what they love about us is that they let us run. And with that, the owners have really built a team where myself, our chief operating officer, chief revenue officer, all the C-levels, we're all around the same age very different backgrounds, different levels of family. But with technology and with that, we've grown up together and matured together. It's allowed us to be very nimble and we're all involved with each other. You know, there are times where the our chief revenue officer is in with my team working on strategy. I'm in with the analysts for two days trying to set things up. Our COO is in with my dev team and we all, it's just that fluid. It's really like a, a jazz band. You know, everybody, when it's running right and playing right, you almost can't hear, you know that certain in instruments are there, but you just can't hear them. But if they weren't there, it wouldn't work. And I don't know if that's the best analogy, but it's something that really has helped us grow into a company that could do over a billion dollars a year. It gives us flexibility. We've all grown up and we're not afraid to make mistakes. We've made a lot of them, but we're quick to adjust and to recalibrate. And again, this is just another example of where, hey, th this could get serious. What do we do? And from the start, from mid-March until probably for about 60 days, we met from nine to 10 every morning on video and from four to five. And our goal, let's get through today. Let's stay in business. So let's not have to have any layoffs. You know, that went like that, that mantra for about a, a month and a half. Then it was, let's get through this week. If we're still in business Friday and the world hasn't ended, it's a great week. And then let's start all over again on Monday, which usually was work, meant working the weekend. But we've adjusted and we've been real. We've been realistic about this, that there were things that could have gone wrong. We're still not out of this, especially as a lender. You know, there are a lot of macro influences that, you know, we have no control over. And, you know, if the pandemic surges again, you know, California's had an issue. We felt it on the uh, dentist side. As you know, dentists really got hit hard and they were a large group in our population. So again, like you said, Jordan, the leadership, the communication and the flexibility as a management team has really been one of the reasons why we're doing well today. And, you know, we're very fortunate for that. No, you nail on the head there, right? And all you can do sometimes is, hey, don't focus on the mountaintop. Just focus on right foot, left foot. Exactly. And, and, it, and it really will shine through. Well, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time today, man. Before I let you go, let people know where they can find out more about you online and, and yeah, and, and connect with you. Sure. Um, you can reach me at chrisp at bhg hyphen inc.com or look me up on LinkedIn. I'm on there a lot. Uh, Chris Panabianco, or you can check us out. Uh, if no matter what profession you are, if you're in need of financing, look us up on bankershealthcaregroup.com. Beautiful. All right, Chris, I appreciate you coming on, man. My pleasure, Jordan. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody, that's it for the episode. Please hit like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And I will put those links down in the show notes page so you can connect with Chris. Until next time, I'll catch you later. Um.